Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your guide in moving from fine to fantastic. I love inspiring others to listen to their inner voice and encouraging them to take the steps toward fulfilling their soul. Join me here as we navigate through life transformation, moving from that place where you say everything's fine, it's just fine, but you're really feeling a deep undercurrent of suck. How do you move from there to a renewed sense of yourself? You're in the right place for stories and experiences of self-discovery and courage to help you on your journey. And you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Sparkle Lindsay joins me in today's episode to discuss her journey from WNBA prospect to corporate executive to influential speaker and addictions coach. As the oldest of five children, Sparkle started taking care of everyone else right from the beginning in what she calls the fix-it role. She carried that responsibility around and played that part so well, no one knew she was using drugs and alcohol to mask her pain. There are several places in her story where you might get chills. I know I did. And even if you haven't faced the same heartbreaking experiences, we each have our own. You'll relate to her stuffing down emotions, not wanting to appear weak, and putting other people's well-being ahead of her own. And you'll laugh at her inability to turn off that fix-it role, even as she was being taken off to jail with a lethal amount of alcohol in her system. Man, she has such a triumphant spirit. Two years and four months later, Sparkle is an inspiring speaker, published author, and a nationally certified recovery coach based in Colorado, helping light the way for others on their journeys. Special shout out to Melanie Ake, who introduced me to Sparkle on LinkedIn. Quick reminder, today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. When you're asking yourself, what's next for me? Who am I now in this next season of life? And where do I even start figuring this out? The Fuck Being Fine experience is here for you. I'd love to chat with you about the steps to finding the clarity and courage to do what you know you need to do. Go to zenrabbit.com to learn more or to schedule a complimentary call. Welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. I am so honored to have Sparkle Lindsay as my guest today because she is sharing such a personal story, and I really am so grateful for you for being willing to come and share this. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I appreciate it. I was so excited when you were like, hey, you want to hook up? I'm like, ah, yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So we are going to talk about so many different topics. We're going to keep it to our our normal format, but I know that we could talk forever. But but some of the things that I want to make sure that we do cover is talking about progress over perfection and those stories that we make up that we tell ourselves that are just made up and how we, you know, wanting to fix everything for everyone else. But really, we only have control of our own stuff. So let's start out by having you share some of the some of the beliefs that were instilled in you as a child that then 
affected you as you grew up and things that, you know, beliefs that you carried with you that may or may not have served you? Well, you know, I grew up the oldest of five. You know, I was my father, my mother's, I was their right hand man, you know, the right hand woman, uh, the one that uh, made sure all my brothers and sisters were taken care of for the most part. Not not really like I took the mother and father role because we had wonderful parents, but more so the big sister role, you know, like I should. The big sister role also was sparkle will take care of it role. Go ask your sister, you know? And for me, I got so used to being that sparkle knows it, you know, that I took that on throughout my life. You know, now little did I know that that piece of my life would maybe cripple me in my addiction. Uh, you know, I'm two and three months sober as of August 4th. So in my addiction, <laughs> yes, in my addiction, I took on what they call the fix it role. And I took on the strong black woman role, the strong woman role, even at work as an HR manager, you know, at the time now being 36 and no longer working for big box companies anymore. I took on the, you know, Sparkle will fix it role. Once again, call Sparkle. She knows what to do. And I got so used to that that I really didn't have any time to fix me. I didn't even know that existed, Lori. You know, I didn't even know that existed. Um, and a big portion of that, I suppressed a lot of my issues, a lot of my problems, or a lot of things that were bothering me because I felt like I had to be that superwoman, that fix it person, you know, that person that had to have the answers. And being a recovery coach now, um, I can really look at the difference between how I am now and being able to allow people to fix their own issues, to walk alongside them, but let them know that it's theirs to hold, not mine's to keep. Yes. Uh, yeah. So let's take a step back to mm -hmm. getting into corporate or getting into, you know, as you were growing up, you moved away from your family, um, went to school and became this corporate superstar, really. Yeah. There's a part in my life there where I also played college basketball. So it started where right. I was paving the way for my brothers and sisters. I was showing them how it's supposed to be done. You know, that American dream where you go to school, you get a degree, you, you know, you play a sport if you can, try to get a scholarship or an academic scholarship. And I received academic scholarship. I received a vocal scholarship and I also received a basketball scholarship. So through all of those, I chose basketball. That was my sport. I also battled uh, four autoimmune conditions. And the first autoimmune hit me in the middle of my college basketball season, where I dropped from 140 to 107 in a week and a half. Oh my gosh. And I was told I'd never walk again and that uh, I would, I'd be in a wheelchair. Gosh, that scared me. You know, it scared me, yeah, but of I course never it cried. Did. I never cried. To me, it was... I can fix it. I'm going to walk again. I mean, I went into fight or flight mode. There was no mm -hmm. such thing as this is not going to happen. But little did I know later on in life, because I did, I suppressed all of that and didn't cry about it. It came back later and it got me. I was going to say, did you go through any counseling? You know, I did not. And um, that is the reason why I harp so much on recovery coaching and getting those legs to your table and getting the help you need and raising your hand to say, I need help and I need to talk to someone. Mental health and being able to speak up in the African-American community, but also just period in people, is to put the H on your chest and handle it. 
Right. There's nothing wrong with you. You can you can deal with it. You don't need to cry. What you crying for? All of those <laughs> things that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves this too. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm cry. I'm yeah, I got cry. it. It's well, it's fine, yeah. right? <laughs> Why aren't you gonna cry today? You know, like come on. Uh, but we weren't taught that in our society. We were not taught to allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to feel and to cry and to know that we're human and that we yeah. have to with ourselves first, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Okay. So you did get yourself to walk again. Mm. Oh yeah. So I retaught myself to walk. Uh, I played another two years of college ball. That's Uh, amazing. Like not only did you relearn to walk, you went back and played (laughs) ball again. Oh yeah. I I went back and I said, it's, it's on, we're doing this. Mm. Uh, I then went on to try out for the WNBA, but I realized I was going to sign and uh, I realized how exhausted I was Yeah, and I needed to turn it down. I had just been through quite a bit and um, I went on ahead, got my degree, got a double major and a minor and uh, went on ahead to jump right into a manager and training role for Coles. And that is where I was taking everything I learned from basketball, from the determination, from the motivation this strong female, you know, that was looked mm-hmm. up to, revered by a lot of other young girls and and young men. And I'm like, I'm doing it. Getting ready to come out, making 60000 a year. I'm 24 years old. Let's do this. I was on this mission of, in my head, I don't think I'm good enough, so let's keep going. Which later on in turn came back to get me because mm-hmm. that type of thought threw me into perfection. Which is an illusion because there is no such thing as we know. Yeah. But to me, uh uh-uh. We were going to get it done. I am the fixer. This is what I do. We will take care of it. We will take care of it. All of these words that are stuck in my head, we will do this. I got you. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. All along, I wasn't taking care of me. I just didn't recognize it. I was on autopilot, you know? Mm -hmm. As a lot of us are even... I don't want to say advanced ages. That makes us sound like we're in our like 90s. But no, even even farther down the road, people who are older than you were saying you were 24, 25, yeah. you know, many years later, 10, 20, 30 years later, a lot of us are still saying that same thing. Yes. A lot of us are still saying that because we're leaders. Mm-hmm. We are leaders that feel like we have to keep moving. And for me, being a leader, I was an athlete. I was an executive for three biggest box companies, right? Leader. Okay. Now, as a spiritual leader and into my spiritual realm, I am a healer. And that's still a leader role where we have to still let ourselves know, okay, we're still human and we still got to work on us. Ego hits you and you're like, I'm the fixer. So I can handle it. I'm okay. Yeah, exactly. So at what point did you, I mean, you came from being an athlete, elite athlete into the corporate world. And then how, how did you manage that? Is that why you turned to the, the substance abuse that you did? Was it to help you manage the overwhelming task of trying to be perfect and manage everybody? Well, I think, you know, for me, I was never a big drinker. Uh, My drugs of choice were cocaine, molly, and alcohol. But cocaine was introduced to me around 26. 
And that made it where I could drink more. Um, mm. At the time, I was partying. Like for me, I had a degree. I'm making 68, 70,000 a year. Um, I'm running teams of 300 to 400 people running remodels. I mean, I'm honestly just living the life of a 26-year-old, 26-year-old right? That's a but lot of responsibility for a 26-year-old. It is. And a lot of that stress that I was holding on to, I was festering. And then when I get off, I'd say, oh, like everybody else says, I just need a drink. Mm. Let me just relax. I'm going to take a drink. Everything the TV and the media and people do on a regular, I was doing. You know, I'm I'm just yeah. relaxing. You know, they make it seem mm-hmm. like you got to relax with a drink. Right. That's how you relax. Yeah. Our yeah. society is a little messed up in that regard. Wine <laughs> and kick your feet up. You know, like I'm like, well, can we just have tea or yeah, yeah. <laughs> your feet up, have tea. Come you know. to my house. We're having tea over here. Right. Maybe have some coffee and a good conversation, you know? <laughs> yes. But that's what I was used to. But instead it was get off work and party, get off mm-hmm. work and where are we going next? I traveled a lot. I partied a lot. I had a lot of fun, but that little bit of drink and stuff and all of that was creeping up on me slowly. It was creeping up on me. The stresses were starting to get me and I was maintaining it. I had many accolades. I was doing great, but I secretly was still drinking and I had people around me that were drinking. All of us were drinking to get through or reward ourselves for like our long 13 and 14 hour days, right? Mm-hmm. That we had no boundaries to set for ourselves <laughs> and right. say, I'm only doing my nine hours and going home, but not us. We had to take it to the limit, right? We had to fix everything and then work ourselves to that 14 hours and be on autopilot and then go home and drink and party before it became a cycle. And hope you're not hungover because you know you're going to have to run a whole team of people calling you, but you'll make it, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how long did that go on for? Oh, that went on for a minute for me. Um, it went on for about, I want to say, probably 13 years of my life through retail. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just was chasing my high. The cocaine got more. Um, I was, like, having a hard time waking up, but I was still getting there. Um, I was still focused, like I could still do everything, but that's because of my autopilot brain. I was so used to what I was doing that it was just second nature for me. And my body, it needed the substance. It wanted it, it needed it. And that's what it was going to get regardless. Um, And then I had something pretty shocking happen to me. I went into work one day and I was pretty, I was pretty hungover. And I had a client, uh, not a client, but an associate who he was missing for a few days. And I knew that he didn't have anywhere to live. So I had put in a lot of proposal proposals for him to get housing from us. And finally it came through. So I was really excited for him to come to work. I was hoping he came to work that day. We couldn't get a hold of him. And sure enough, he showed up. And uh, so I had the conversation with him when he walked in and I said, I got some good news for you. And he had, you know, this feeling that was just like, oh yeah, okay, well, I got to go to the bathroom. So he kind of walks by me, goes to the bathroom and I never really paid attention to my intuition or, Mm. but then I got a real pit in my stomach feeling. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to make his day a little bit better. And when he comes out the bathroom, I'm going to give him the, the paper and then he's, he'll be good to go. So I got closer to the bathroom and uh, these feelings, I just had this really anxious feeling Uh that I've never really felt before. 
And I walked to the bathroom. I waited for about two, three minutes. And I opened the door and he shot himself. Oh, my God. And I fainted. Oh, my God. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Wow. And I oh think gosh. right then and there, I, I fainted. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, what else? I mean, what else could you do? I, I can't. I don't even have words like right now. I can't yeah. even imagine what it would have been like to, for you or anyone to walk in on that. I cried. You know, I didn't cry. Actually, excuse me. I did not cry. Um, I went through a series of classes that helped me get through it or supposedly helped me get through it. Mm. Okay. Mm. All the rest of the trauma that I had that I have not addressed. Right. Just piled on. Right. So remember, we just put the H on our chest and we handle it. But in all reality, I was having nightmares as well. And my body was hurting. So my body started hurting again and I didn't know what was going on. Six months after that, I was diagnosed with lupus, um, which was my fourth autoimmune condition. So mm-hmm. I had to immediately jump on what they call methotrexate, form of chemo, and try to get it under control. So now I'm having nightmares. My body's hurting. I'm drinking and drugging to, to try to get through the day, to try to numb the pain and numb the hurt because I haven't cried mm-hmm. about this guy you know, killing himself or me being sick mm-hmm. and I'm still going to work and working 13 hour days. And now I'm having panic attacks if I walk in the store because the bathroom and the, yeah. the loudness that was going on and, and the nightmares. And I'm like, oh my God, I got, I got a drink to do this. I, I got to, uh-huh. I, I, I was, I was, I was slowly Just- but surely Lori sliding. I was tanking and I was yeah. holding on but I was getting to that point where I'm in a deep abyss and I don't know when I'm going to hit the ground. Everything was starting to crumble around me and I didn't know how to ask for help. I, I'm the fixer. I'm not the person right. who's supposed to be. You're I'm the sp- one people come to, Sparkle. not somebody. Yeah. yeah. My name is Sparkle. I can handle this. You know <laughs> what I mean? But inside I was crying. I was hurting. I just could not find it in myself to ask for help. Before you know it, after I finally realized like I was just, I was starting to get real, real sick and I've dropped weight again and things, my, all of these addictions or these uh, autoimmunes, they started attacking me. My body just couldn't make it. I remember being called into the corporate office. I remember thinking I'm, I'm probably going to get fired. Um, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, been quite a bit now. I think, think the gig's up here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're catching on. Yeah, they're catching on because Sparkle's not looking too good, you know? And I got in there and they asked me, they said, hey, so you're doing such a great job. We'd like to promote you. Wow. I, I about hit the ground. I said, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I've got to save my life today. I, I appreciate it, but I'm going to have to say no. Um, this is my exit interview and I got to go get myself help. And at that point, I walked off. I remember I could I couldn't find which door to like leave. <laughs> like you want to make a grand exit, but you can't find the right door. You're like, oh, that's the closet. Never mind. How do I? <laughs> I said, oh, great. You know, you <laughs> like you're like, yeah, I'm noble. Oh, how do I get out of here? So I. Right. <laughs> so- so I didn't even look back. You know, I didn't want to look back and they'd be like, uh-huh. this girl, now look at her. So instead, I just kept going. So I kept going. I got in the car. I called my mom and I said, 
I left my job. You know, I left my job and uh, I'm going to go get help. And everybody's like, yeah. And I called my aunt and she's like, all right, so we're going to make arrangements. And we were trying to do all of that. And then I decided to go with my ex-fiance up to Black Hawk for one last hoorah, of course, mm. right? To drink. Right. One last hoorah. Just do everything. Got up there. We got into a big fight. I drank one last tequila shot and I ended up in jail. Wow. And that was when I knew they had me breathe and I had the breathalyzer. I had had many breathalyzers, but this one was pretty big. It was a, a 0.4. It was a 0.4 and I was like, how are you even still alive, right? <laughs> With all the medications and mm -hmm. everything else, right? But then it was a 0.4, Lori, and I was talking like this, like how we are talking right yeah. now. Yeah. It didn't Amazing. Even and they were like, I was like, actually, I have a plan for you to be able to organize your system a little faster to get me in to jail. Okay. Let so me I help was, you with your organization here. While oh I'm my gosh. Like you cannot turn off the, the corporate. Yeah. That autopilot, right? So I knew then it's time to get help. I was scared. Uh, but I went on ahead and I made I made the transition after I got out of jail. I took off for, you know, I took off. How for long were you I, in jail? Uh, I was in jail for about three days because they had to make sure that my levels came down. Okay. My levels were not, they were up there for a long sure. time. So I was in yeah. for about three days. And then you and, went straight to a program? Well, then I, yeah, I got home. I still drank more. About three to three or four days after that, and then I was like, I am just getting sick. I need, I gotta get some help. So I remember uh -huh. clearing everything out of my trunk and threw it out on the yard. I was like, I gotta go to treatment, and I uh, got to my grandparents' house, and my grandparents took me to treatment. The funny thing is, is that I was in the back seat with them, and they put the child lock on. Because they thought I might jump out or whatever. <laughs> okay. You don't know. Who knows? So they put the child lock on and we finally get, you know, get to Parker Valley Hope. That was where I went first. I went to two treatment centers, but Parker Valley Hope, we get there. And when they go to get out, they don't know how to turn the child lock off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they're like, well, Sparkle, can you let yourself out? <laughs> I said... Well, I can't get it. They said, well, we put the child lock on. Can you help us get it off? <laughs> so I helped them get it off. I got out, ended up in treatment. I blew a 0.36 going into treatment as well. And then I started my journey of recovery. And uh, I never have, I have not looked back. And it has been an amazing journey for me. But I had to do it for me. Gosh, I was, at a good point of me was worried about what my family was going to think. I was worried about, you know, my, what work would think. Like a lot of people are like, we didn't even think this girl was drinking at all. She didn't even look like it. We didn't even notice it. Uh, even now when I do podcasts like this, a lot of times people are like, I did not know you were living that life. And I was living that life. That's you know, incredible. Uh, that you were able to to keep it under wraps so well that people you were closest to didn't even know. Yeah. And I think, you know, like my father, my father's really close to me. My brothers, they started to, to really get it. They started to get it. I was very combative. You know, I was in denial. I don't have a problem. Mm -hmm. I know my stuff. 
I fix everything. You know, I was in executive mode, autopilot mode, which a lot of us are in. We don't want to feel like we were defeated or yeah. like we failed. Although sometimes these types of things are not failures at all. They are just lessons and they're great experiences and they're not good or bad. They just are what they are. And they're right. a part of our journey. You know, they're a part of our journey. Yeah. And getting out of the shame and the guilt is the hardest part. You're supposed to be sparkle. You're supposed to be able to handle this. And being able to raise your hand and say, I don't, I don't got this is a, it's a scary feeling at first, but yes. you, you, you get into yourself and you start to realize that you got to learn more and more about yourself every day to understand where you're going. Yeah. And be vulnerable enough to allow people to, to, to say, this is where I am and I need help. Yes. And let it go. Relinquish control. Um, find and follow those layers of surrender. There's layers of surrender, yeah. you know, um, and, yeah. and each part of your heart, the blockages we create and the walls we put up when we are doing things that are not right. Uh, it is just amazing when those blockages start to come down due to the layers of your surrender that you say, I'm ready to do this for me. Mm -hmm. And it just changes your whole way of thinking because it's not about what others think. It's about how you feel about you and what you're going to do to change it for you. Changing your narrative and believing in you changes those layers of surrender and it takes it real deep, you know, for you. And it makes you, it helps yeah. you find those layers of happiness, you know? Yeah. It's like unpeeling an onion. Yes. The, the mm -hmm. layers and layers and layers. And when you are focused on unpeeling and revealing who you are and doing the work on yourself, it changes your relationships with those around you. Oh yes. And the action, your action to you helps everything around you evolve. You yes. know, um, I tell a lot of my clients, break down the serenity prayer and what it means to you, you know, and um, having the courage to change the things you can and the wisdom to know when it's not yours to keep is one of the greatest blessings anybody could ever follow through for themselves. Because if you're not focusing on you, how are you going to help anybody else? You know, we, yes. we have these thoughts that... If we go and we give everybody this advice and we're the fixer and we do this, we'll be good. But then where are we at? We just stand stick. We stay stagnant. We just sit still. That that's that's unrealistic for us to find out where we fit and to find our gifts and find things that find our clarity. In order for us to find the clarity, you've got to know where we're going and what we want. But if we don't mm -hmm. take the time to be with ourselves and figure out who we are and learn more and more about ourselves every day, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? Uh, right, exactly. And yeah, I mean, that's the the a lot of the purpose in the program that I run, the the um, F being fine experience is helping people get that clarity around what do they want and who who are they getting that quiet to hear you talked about your, your intuition getting quiet enough to hear that that inner voice and then ha finding the courage to follow it yes and not only that but finding the courage to actually walk through the emotions that you've probably been suppressing that you don't right. even realize suppressing because you're on auto autopilot and you're so used to it, right? That it just becomes a part of you where you just suppress your emotions and then you just walk around them. You never address yes. them. Suppress the them, numb them. Yes. Not, not even acknowledge. Yeah. 
And how do you suppress them? You suppress them by fixing other things for other people. You suppress them by your addictions, right? Yeah. And then what it does, it fogs your clarity. There is no clarity there when you don't walk through what's actually bothering you. Figure out your why. Mm -hmm. Research what is bothering you so that you can move forward, relinquish that control and free your mind, your heart and your spirit and become one well-oiled machine for yourself because you can, you know that your emotions were temporary, not permanent, but you know what it feels like and you're okay with sitting in it. These yes. things are not easy. <laughs> Although you say you know that your emotions are temporary. I think that a lot of people don't necessarily know that. They Feel, they feel emotions and they feel like I'm going to be here forever. And the truth is, if you allow yourself to feel them, that's how you move through them. Exactly. And you gain that resistance because then you know the next emotion is coming where then it becomes a part of you. You know, it is a, it, it just becomes a part of you where you're like, Ooh, how do I feel now? Or mm -hmm. what's Why am I, what is that anger feeling like? And Oh, that hurt my feelings. Talk to yourself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Be curious about yourself. I say it all the time because yes, you find that. these cool things about yourself that you're like, wow, that really set me off. I, that's a trigger, you know, or yeah. a word or a song or, you know, waking up in the morning is just really not my thing, maybe. Right. But mm -hmm. know it, figure it out and then be able to tell people what you want. <laughs> yes. Know it and then honor it. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Honor it and step into your power while you do it. When you honor it, now you can manifest the belief in it. Now you're setting, I mean, that's a totally different level. Manifesting your beliefs and who you are because you've honored what you've been through and you respect it. And once right. you do that, your demeanor changes the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you look, just your glow. You're walking through it and you're doing it for you. And that's what makes you special. Everybody's journey is different. So how are you going to do it? What's going to make you a little different than everybody else? Because we are different, right? Exactly. Yes. And, and owning and walking in your own power. The gift of stepping into my power, I think I've had so many different ailments uh, with um, and that's why I was compelled to write my book, uh, Being a Better Me for Me, because all of the simple, basic tips and tricks I do daily have helped me step into a power that is, I am so deserving of now. Mm -hmm. I mean, using words like deserving and capable and entitled to, those are a totally different realm for what I used to use. You know, using words like, I will walk on my own, but I will walk with you as you figure out what you're doing changes mm -hmm. first part of our conversation where I kept saying, we are in this together. We got this. Because honestly, your journey is your journey and it's for you. I can mm -hmm. support you, but I can't keep it for me or take it with me, right? right? But together, we can walk together in our journeys and help support each other as we grow and step into our power and move forward in a positive manner, right? <laughs> as as individuals and yes. um, as, as supports for each other. Nobody's here alone. But right. like you said, we're all walking our own journey. Yeah, it's kind of a, an odd juxtaposition of we, we're not alone, but it's our own journey. Yes. So you don't have to do so, it alone, but you're, you're 
still, you're not, you're not, <laughs> how do I describe this? You're not doing it alone, but it is your own thing. Nobody else is on that same journey as you are. Exactly. So I am a recovery coach who helps leaders help themselves be the best yeah. version of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. That means that I walk alongside them but I do not make decisions for them because that's not mine to make or to hold. Right. But it yeah. is important for me as a coach and to me and to the individual to hold space while they figure it out. Yes. And that's... that piece is inspiring because when someone has time to think, they have time to actually know themselves and they have someone to consult with every so often. Ugh, watching someone take their life back is so amazing. Um, and you can see people saying, I'm owning this because I deserve this. And they start to change the verbiage. They start to change how they feel. And they start to realize, realize the differences between being strong and being strong. And that right. is being able to work on you and strong enough to say, I need help. Mm -hmm. How can I fix this with me? You know, holding myself accountable for my actions in my own self-reflection and realizing how did I play a part in where I'm at today? How did right. I do that? Those questions are hard to ask yourself, especially if you're in addiction or if mm -hmm. you're in denial, right? But when right. you immediately have the strength to ask yourself those questions, it takes you to a totally different power and a totally different level you never thought ever cease to to be, be there. It, it shows you that you just, you're like, wow, I have been, I've been just not, I haven't been seeing, I haven't been looking at myself. I've been watching why everybody else is the reason why I can't do. Mm -hmm. And so finally when you start realizing I'm the reason why I can't do, I'm my <laughs> yeah. own what am I doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people are not willing to take that responsibility, but yes. until you are, that's when things really start changing. And you said something about deserving. And, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of times we've been taught that to say I deserve means that you are somehow specially entitled in a negative, bad way. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just because you are a you know, however you want to describe it, child of God, you are of this universe. You are deserving. Yeah. You are knowing or starting to understand your worth. See, a lot of times we downplay our worth because we don't know that. You know, we haven't explored ourselves enough to know just how strong this temple is, this body is. When you mm -hmm. start to embrace every piece of it, and you look at it, you examine it, and you realize it, you're able to say, yeah, no, I, I'm worthy of so much more. I can do so much more. I know that because I know myself, you know, and because I trust my body, I trust in myself to know that I can get there. And I'm going to need some help along the way, definitely. That's but okay. I'm solid, and I know I'm grounded, and I'm ready to take things by storm. And that right there is a strong, it's a strong way to be, but it's a wonderful feeling and it's whole. It makes you whole, makes you congruent and complete with your shadow side and your regular side, right? Because you got and them both. That <laughs> is where so much power in that. So much yeah. power. Yeah. Well, you are definitely on a mission. I'm so grateful, like I said, to have had you on here to talk about your journey 
And before we go, first, what is your hype song? The song that you listen to that gets you pumped up, energized, enthusiastic, uh, more than you already are, because clearly you are already a very enthusiastic person. You know, what what is the song that takes it to the next notch up? So the next level, okay, so I remember that I was having a not a great day. And I remember having to sit in emotions and be like, I got to take the good with bad. It just is what it is. And I got to just sit in it and let the day come to me. And I'm in the car and out of nowhere, Mariah Carey, Make It Happen comes on. And ever since then, I've always like, I've always heard it. I've always loved it. But I heard those words and they spoke to me. And ever since then, when I'm getting ready to do a speech, when I'm getting ready to, uh, you know, even write a book or whatever, I just think of those words, the make it happen piece. And mm-hmm. I say, I'm going to make it happen. And I get pumped up like I'm getting ready to play a basketball game and it's a championship. <laughs> Such a good song. Yes. Love it. Love it. All right. So if someone wants to get in touch with you and learn, you know, have a conversation with you, um, tell us how people can reach you and then also how they can get their bo- your book. Uh, so if you do want to get a hold of me, first things first, if there are any emergencies or whatever, there is a crisis line um, that you can call, uh, whether it's suicide, mental health, uh, substance use, whatever that is, uh, make sure you make those calls to take care of yourself. My website is sparklelindsay.com. Uh, I do have a promo right now that's going on that if you buy my book uh, on Amazon and take a selfie with it and send it to a uh, the particular link that was given, um, you will receive 30 quotes and 30 videos from me uh, free of charge. So uh, the book is a wonderful tool, a wonderful element, but the website alone talks about if you would like to be a recovery coach. Uh, It talks about if you are looking for recovery coaching. There's also apparel on there if you want to wear your sparkle shirts or hats. Uh, so there's just a lot going on on that website and it just came out. So sparklelindsay.com will give you everything that you need to uh, get a hold of me. Fantastic. We'll have a link in the show notes to the website as well as to the, um, the link that you just talked about so that people could get that special uh, download if, after they buy the book. So Cool. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sparkle Lindsay, on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Man, thank you for having me. And I just want to say it's an honor. It's always good to speak with you. Love watching your stuff on LinkedIn. So I, you know, I always watch your things. So I'll be crazy excited to keep it going. Okay. (laughs) Yes, we will. Thank you. I've said it before and I'll say it again now. Addiction is not an easy topic to talk about. There can be a lot of shame around it. And at the same time, there are a lot of people struggling with it, either their own or a loved one's addiction. So we need to talk about it. I'm so very grateful Sparkle joined me here to talk about her journey so far. Here are a few key takeaways. Number one, you can't fix other people's issues, and you will sacrifice your own health if you keep trying to. What you can do, though, is walk alongside someone who is fixing their issues and be there to support them. While nobody's here alone, There are some things people have to do for themselves. Number two, you can only live in denial for so long before things start going sideways. You can put yourself into executive mode, autopilot mode, whatever you want to call it, 
and not feel the feelings so you can get done what you have to do. But sooner or later, it catches up with you. Number three, there are layers to surrender. It's like peeling an onion. And when you think you're finished, you're not finished. It keeps going. This is the journey of life. Number four, honor your journey. Everybody's journey is different. So how are you going to do yours? What's going to make you a little different than everybody else? Talk to yourself. Watch yourself. Take time with yourself and figure out who you are and learn more and more about yourself every day. You have to know and honor yourself in order to step into your power. Number five, be strong enough to say, I need help. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. And from there, you can find the strength to hold yourself accountable for your actions and realize the part you played in getting to where you are today. You can get a copy of Sparkle's book, Being a Better Me for Me, on Amazon. And then get those bonuses she mentioned. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other women like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. And I'd love to hear what's happening in your world. Join me on social. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. And lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode, or maybe it's just before, depending on where you're listening. Look for it. You'll find it because you always find exactly what you're looking for. Remember that.